Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, January the 18th, and this is episode number 133. I am your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me tonight is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going for you? Well, you know, pretty good now that I'm more or less dug out of that half or foot and a half of snow that we got over the weekend. You guys got hammered. I saw a lot of pictures on yeah. Twitter of a lot of different people. Um, we, yeah. we got we got about an inch, maybe inch and a half down here. Yeah. I spent a good two hours on my tractor um, yesterday with the bucket, um, scooping snow and dumping it because it was too much to plow. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, I don't miss that part of Cleveland. I got to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we do we do okay with snow on the east side. It's just that um, we haven't had anything this deep in a long time. No, that's, that's yeah, that's more than significant, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to move around. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, we uh, we wrapped up uh, we wrapped up the season last week. Um, kind of did a season closing show, so we're officially into the off season and our, our breakdown and projections and analysis and everything else. So, so we're going to take it show by show. And for, for the listeners, we're going to try to go methodically through everything and, you know, just kind of what would make sense to me. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to start out tonight just talking about um, uh, Browns players who are, uh, Pending free agents, RFAs, and things like that. Um, we're going to go over the calendar, and we're going to just talk about the the draft picks the Browns have, things like that. Just kind of things to get the ball rolling. And then um, as as uh, as we get into the you know the coming uh, month or two, we'll talk. We'll probably break down you know the roster by positions and and look at where the Browns' biggest needs are, and talk more specifically about guys who we think will, um, you know, potentially, you know, not be back, um, you know, for monetary or performance reasons. So we'll get into that. And of course, we're going to start hitting on the draft here uh, pretty hard too. So a um, lot to cover in the next, uh, what do we have, Jeff? We got, we got three, uh, three months and what, 10 days or so until the draft, three, three months and 10 days until the NFL draft. So We've got a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, the uh, the combine is actually um, six weeks from today. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, that's that's one <laughs> date I didn't have. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, February 22nd to, Mar- to uh, March 8th is the, the franchise and, um, and uh, transition tag period. And then uh, free agency starts on March the 16th at four o'clock. Um, off-season workouts a couple days before that. What's that? The tampering period starts on the 14th, so that's you know when teams can start talking. Yeah, yeah, that's um. So that's when all the, the all the juicy rumors will start swirling. Right. About, you know right. potential free agents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the the workouts um, for uh, teams with new head coaches start um, start April the fourth, and for teams uh, like the Browns, at least so far, um, Mar- Mar- or, uh, they say April April the fourth, um, April the eighteenth is the off season workouts begin. Um, mm-hmm. April the twenty seventh is the last day to match on. Um, on uh, restricted free agents, and then the draft begins on April the 28th and runs through April the 30th. So a lot of stuff going on, um, mo- most of it not for a month or two. So um, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So plenty some plenty time. of time to dissect, right? That's right. That's right. So... Um, so yeah, let's let's just talk briefly about the about the uh, the draft picks that the, that the Browns have. So um, so the Browns the Browns have all of their own picks and they're and they're picking thirteenth. But we were talking a little bit about this uh, before we started recording, and and I guess at this point, um, 
there isn't a list of all the picks out, so I believe there may be there may be a coin flip left or something to determine whether they're whether they're picking 13th every round or whether that's going to change to you know I don't know 12th or 14th you know alternately. Um, but the Browns do have have uh, a pick in that range, you know, one through seven, and then they have the the Lions pick in the fourth round, which um, which is pick number two. So I believe uh, um, that pick that pick uh, I don't think that's going to change from two, so that should be number two. Um, I'm not sure where that pick came from, but moving up to two in the fourth round is is pretty decent, I would say. Um, that pick could turn Gives into you, something. in theory, a shot at another one top 100 player. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, um, so yeah, that's that's what we're looking at. Um, so let's uh, let's look at free agents. Uh, the, the who the Browns had on their roster in 2021, and guys who are who are now free agents entering 2022. Um, and, and let's just talk about these guys a little bit because Browns Browns fans kind of want to bring everybody back. Um, <laughs> That's normal. Anybody that played it's well. normal. It's like well, right. you know, and even if even if a guy made a few good plays, and you know, and I'm, I'm not talking about any specific player here. Um, if a guy made a few good plays and that's what you remember about him, you're going to be, man, we, we can't let that guy go. He's, he's too good. We got to keep him. Right. Um, and, and there's more than that to the business of football. Um, there's, you know, you got, you got to look at, um, the guys, uh, his performance in 2021. You got to look at what you think he's going to do next season, you know, maybe based on his age, um, Based on how he fits in with your plans for next season, and and you got to look at what it's going to cost you to bring him back, and right. is is he worth that much to bring him back? Because as this, you know, during the season we're rooting for this team, we're rooting for every player on this team, but this is the off season where this really becomes a business, and you have to be smart, and you have to. You have to sign the best guys for the for the least amount of money, to, so that you can do things like extend Miles Garrett and, and and extend your offensive linemen and things like this. So this is this is where you really have to be smart and not make decisions with your heart. Right, that's where you have to trust your front office, um, your your young general manager who has demonstrated to this point that you know he's up to the task and you have to kind of root for their front office for a little while that, that they're going to put together what you consider to be a, a, a highly competitive roster to get ready for next season yeah so uh, so we'll just we're going to dive in just with probably the top guy that that um that everybody's thinking about and that's J- uh, Jadavian Clowney um who who had really had a really nice season for the Browns. Um, you know, uh, he came in on a one-year deal. Um, it is cap number at 3.8. I don't know if that's his actual salary, if that's what it was in 21 or not, but that's, you know, 3.8 million or, or somewhere around that area is what he made this this season. Um, yeah, so that was his base salary. I think, you know, the, the total deal was more in the range of 8 million um, with a bunch of deferred money and void years and stuff. So yeah. you have to kind of look at it as, you know, the production that you got out of $8 million over the course of, you know, a 16-game season or 17-game season, excuse me. Right, and, and $8 million is probably not what Jadavian Clowney's thinking for 2022. I would say not. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he had a nice season. He had the best season he's had in a long time. Um, right. So what, what did he end up with? Was it nine sacks, eight or nine? I think something like that. Yeah. I mean, um, um, you know, he, he had a, he had a really good season. Yeah. I mean, as a, as a, 
compliment to Miles Garrett. I don't, you know, it's, the Browns would be hard pressed to find somebody as productive, as disruptive as Jadavian Clowney. But it's kind of yeah. what you expect from a former number one overall pick, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the Browns have uh, brought a lot of free agents in over the past, uh, you know, what, 10, 20 years. And um, Clowney, Clowney lived up to, you know, I mean, he, he did as well as what you could have possibly expected, I think. You know, he right. played almost every game. Um, his, his sack number was the, the most sacks he's had in, in a long, long time. And and he really did. He complimented Miles. And um, like you said, I, I think they would have a really hard time finding somebody else to plug into that spot to get the same exact production out of next season. Right. So that 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 makes it understandable that the fa- that the fans are saying, "Well, you got to sign him because right. you can't bring him back. Replace him. Bring him back because you can't replace him." Right. Right. But the issue is, what what's the number, and yeah. what does that number do to the rest of your roster? Um, salary cap's going to go up. Um, you're you're going to probably uh, cut some cap in some other places. So you know what? If you can if you can sign him and bring him back comfortably on the right deal, I think it it probably makes sense. If you feel like the term of the deal is smart, like you know, I don't know if you want to sign Jadavian Clowney to to a you know a three year deal, three or four year deal at you know at, at fifteen twenty million a year, um, because you know because he's getting a little bit older and he still even though he played most of the games this season he still has that injury history right but the the question is you know what's the number what's the number is there a number that's good for him and good for the browns right and you know that's i guess that's sort of the whole point of prove it deals um you know he he came in here on a prove it deal because he had a rough season last year, uh, was injured, was, you know, low production. Um, and, he, you know, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you know, none of us really expected Jadavian Clowney to be the guy that we were going to plug in there. Um, but he kind of came in at the end and, you know, no one else was offering him anything. So here's the prove it deal. OK, and, and you say, well, the Browns can can win or lose on a prove it deal. OK, um, and so can the player. Um, you know, I think he absolutely earned his money and then some, but you know, the, the, what you have to take along with that is he proved it. So now he deserves the right next year to be paid and the Browns have to make the decision whether or not they can afford to do that. Number one. It makes good financial sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two, are you know, are there equally um, valuable type guys that they can plug in? And that sort of directly relates back to question number one. You know, can they can they bring somebody else in in that eight million dollar range, either on a prove it deal or you know somebody who's not necessarily. Uh, of the same pedigree as Jadavian Clowney, right, that will give you adequate production for that number. Um, let's just say, for instance, that, you know, the Browns were to to extend Clowney for another three seasons at, you know, 18 to 20 million, which I think that's, you know, what he's going to command, um, you know, with the salary cap going up. And uh, we mm-hmm. know how we know how elite edges are paid in the NFL. You know, when these guys are the first ones that come off the board in free agency, um, and based yeah. on what Clowney did this year, he's going to be one of the first guys that teams look at. Um, so I really have to question, you know, if, if they were to extend him at, at some kind of number like that, could they possibly get enough production out of him? to make that a, a smart investment. Um, I mean, he would have to, you know, again, nine sacks and, and, you know, playing like he did this year at, at 8 million is, 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 you know, a hundred percent, hundred fifty percent value, whatever. But if you have to pay him twice as much or two and a half times as much, okay. 
what does that relate to in terms of value? And I think the value drops pretty significantly. You know, he, it's it's really yeah, putting a, yeah. a target on his back, right, in terms of how well he's got to play for us the next couple of years at that level. And so, you know, with all the questions that we now have on the defensive line, um, you know, you'd, you'd love to be able to answer that one just with money. Um, I just don't know that it makes financial sense for the Browns or for Jadavian Clowney to do that here. Yeah, and you don't know how many other teams are going to be, you know, are going to get into that bidding war, too. Right. Uh, for Clowney. So, right, right. I, I think Browns fans have to be realistic that you, that we would, you know, in, in the thought that it would be great to bring him back, but you, you, you are not going to bring Jadavian Clowney back regardless of cost. <laughs> You know, and I don't think that's not how Andrew Barry operates and that's not what's going to happen. So I think if right. they can get the right deal, um, I think they'll bring him back. If they can't, I mean, if somebody offers them a, you know, a huge deal, like what happened, you know, something like, uh, you know, when, when uh, Arizona, um, you know, made the deal with J.J. Watt, you know, if something like that happens, uh, the Browns are going to say, you know, but, you know, good luck. And look That's at the value, just for instance, look at the value that Arizona got out of that signing. I mean, yeah. J.J. Watt missed a big chunk of the season this year, and they committed huge money to him. Okay, yeah. so, and I think the that same happens. can be said for all of these UFAs, you know. Um, what's the cost to extend them versus replacement cost, and do you realize enough value by doing that? And, you know, there's there's a lot that comes into play for a general manager in making that determination other than, you know, just the fans saying, boy, I really liked how he played. I hope he comes back. You know, we all hope that we get that kind of production out of that position. Um, but ultimately, the general manager has to decide, you know, at what dollar amount that makes sense. Yeah. And, and just just briefly here, because I'm kind of kind of uh, changing the topic a little bit, but people will talk about the importance of hitting on draft picks. Mm. The importance on hitting on these big free agency signings, I think is so much higher than, than hitting on, on free agents. You know, if you blow a first round pick, you know, you blew a first round pick, but if you blow a signing like, uh, you know, like, you, you mentioned J.J. Watt. You know, if, if you if you sign somebody to a huge deal like that and there's no production, you, mm. you know, not only did really you miss out on somebody else, yeah, it, it's really tied your hands to be able to do other things. Whereas whereas if you yeah. just miss on a pick, it's really not bootstrapping you in any, any other way. Right. Yeah. So, um, okay, let, let's move on. <laughs> We've got yeah. with you guys. So, um, yeah. Chris Hubbard, um, Chris Hubbard, a guy who the Browns really could have used this season, um, mm-hmm. you know, but he's he's kind of getting up there in age. Um, I don't know what his market's going to be, you know, after missing this season. Um, you know, he's had some injuries on that. Do you think uh, do you think the Browns would make an effort to bring Chris Hubbard back or do you think um, they would be more likely to look elsewhere uh, to, to refortify that offensive line depth? Well, they're definitely going to have to address the swing tackle position. Um, and, you know, like we've mentioned before, Jack Conklin is still kind of up in the air from a health standpoint. So they're going to bring in somebody experienced at the tackle position. I think Chris Hubbard is somebody that this organization really likes and appreciates. And mm-hmm. it was a huge loss when he went down early in the season. It, it just forced – all the other young guys into, you know, really too high expectations, I think, um, you know, yeah. for the, for the rookies and the, and the, the free agent backups, um, it would have really been a key position if Chris Hubbard had, had stayed healthy this year, um, with all the injuries that we suffered at the tackle position with all that said, um, it's kind of the same story. You know, uh, can you afford to pay a guy that kind of money, uh, particularly coming off of the injuries, um, you know, to, to ride the bench? 
and just as an insurance policy. And we had this conversation at the beginning of the season about Chris Hubbard, you know, were they going to just go ahead and, and give those snaps to younger guys? Um, boy, yeah. now in, in hindsight, you go, Jesus, that was kind of dumb. It really would have been smart to, to have him on the roster. Um, just injury precluded that. So, um, yeah, I honestly, I, I, I think they'll find somebody else in that mold. Um, somebody younger, somebody less expensive that is a little bit more experienced to, um, you know, be that backup tackle. I, I certainly hope they do because I don't know that, that counting on the couple of young guys that we have, um, to back up Jack Conklin if he can't go early um, is, is a real smart strategy. Yeah, I mean, we really felt like we had a ton of offensive line depth, and, and there is, but it's I guess it just wasn't as developed as what we thought. I mean, um, uh, you know, I think Blake Hance and Michael Dunn played pretty well, you know, before they got hurt. But, um, you know, beyond those guys. They were both guys, playing out of position. Yeah, both they were. Play, I mean, and, and Blake Hance did a great job, um, again, playing out of position. Um, those guys just you know, went out and played wherever they were asked to play. And, right, yeah. right. And James Hudson came along as the year went on. But, you know, again, as a, as a fourth-round rookie, um, you know, you can't really expect the guy to go out there and, and compete at the NFL level as a starter in his first year. It's just unrealistic. So, you know, hopefully he gets better next year um, and we can plug in a couple of those guys like that. Um, but I, I still think it's a position of need for us to find an experienced tackle um, to fill that Chris Hubbard role next year. And, and I, I think Andrew Berry is going to have to find somebody like that. Um, and hopefully it's at, you know, a, a more team friendly number than where Chris Hubbard was in the last year of his deal. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. His, um, what was his salary was in the $5 million range. Is that right? I think he's, I think he's total around higher. seven. Seven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to uh, to Tack McKinley. Um, do you think Tack McKinley had enough of a chance to show enough to create a market for himself? And, you know, I, I think it was pretty clear that the Browns wanted him here with all the attempts to get him here. Do you think do you think yeah. that plays a part in, you know, in him wanting to come back here, you know, maybe on a similar I, type deal again? I think if if Tack had stayed healthy. Um, he would definitely have been a guy the Browns would be bringing back next year as the the pass rush specialist, the third down edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's now unfortunately um, in the category of Olivier Vernon, where I don't think Olivier Vernon played anywhere this year, did he? Um, um, I never heard anything about him. Uh, the the thing with year. you know. The thing with an Achilles is, um, you know, it could be 12 months. It could be, you know, well, that's true. Ending, so. Yeah, he, he might not even be able to be, to, yeah. you know, be yeah. ready so, by the time the season starts. Yeah, I, I, I seriously doubt that you're going to see Tack McKinley next year um, just mm-hmm. because of the injury. Um, but, you know, guy in his you know, early part of his career, 26 years old, um, a specialist like that who was affordable. I think, you know, they, they definitely would have looked at bringing him back next year. And, you know, they may have even thought of him as the guy maybe stepping in and, um, for Clowney, but that all kind of blew up, you know, with, with the injury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Malik Jackson, um, what, what did you think of his performance this season? And is there a chance that he comes back next season more or less because of the need at defensive tackle for the Browns? Yeah. You know, um, as a leader, he, he, uh, contributed extremely well. I thought, um, you know, his, his play on the field was not, you know, stellar, but, um, you know, as a consistent, um, you know, everyday type of player, he was good value for the Browns and looking at, you know, where we are at the D tackle position. um, You know, we right now we've really only got two guys on their rookie deals. um, Jordan Elliott and Tommy Togiai um, under contract (laughs) 
That's defense how much is down the whole We're, we're yes. like, we're thinner than we were this time last year, and we were really concerned about it. Do you remember you know, how, so. how many defensive tackles the Browns had on their roster and back in, uh, you know, in, in training camp? Training yeah, it was camp. like 12, I think. It was yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> like, look how many guys they've got. <laughs> <laughs> they right. Got, well, they you got know, two they're, guys. They're, they're bringing in guys on, on uh, UDFA deals and, and just, you know, throwing everything at the wall to see what will stick. And, um, you know, Malik Jackson was, was sort of the constant out of, you know, all of that, um, the yeah. veteran leader. And I almost, I almost think that at this point, unless, you know, something really strange happens, they got to look at bringing him back just for that, you know, that, that stability at the position. Yeah, I kind of feel, I, I feel the same way. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's a guy who's going to demand a big salary anywhere. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think the Browns would probably be happy to, happy to bring him back for another season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably going to be another one-year deal in, in the same kind of range. Um, yeah. I mean, he's 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, even if he doesn't, you know, play play a lot, um, I almost think he's, you know, he, he's got to be high on your list of, of guys you bring back. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, let, let's talk about Anthony Walker, also an unrestricted free agent. Um, again, one-year deal, not not a big contract. Um, I believe he he yeah he, he uh, led the team in tackles, um, kind of what inside linebackers do. But uh, um, what did what did you think of his play? Um, and what do you what do you think about the market for him and and uh, um, kind of where he ranks on the Browns, you know, linebacking core? You know, I think without Anthony Walker. Um, the Browns will be extremely young in the linebacker room next year. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think you can underestimate the uh, impact that he had on uh, JOK and, and guys like Jacob Phillips, the younger guys who we're going to be looking to in the fall. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think having that vet leadership and, and you know, the, the indie locker room was super high on him. Um, when we, when we signed him last year, um, I think he's a great locker room guy. He's 26 years old. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, again, I, I think based on what we've seen in the past and what else is going to be out there, um, this guy, I think that we need to bring back. Um, I would look at him as the bridge to those guys that are on the rookie deals. And, you know, when they're going to need to get paid at some point, um, you know, I would I would slot him in, you know, in that five to eight million dollar range on a two or three year deal. Um, I don't I know the Browns aren't big on linebackers and paying linebackers. Um, but, man, the guy who's, who's consistent like that, it's going to be hard to find with that kind of leadership. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if. um I don't know if that brings it back, honestly. Um, you know, maybe just not because you know. I'm I'm wondering what kind of a salary he's going to demand on the open market. Um, yeah. it, you know, it might be more than that after after this season in Cleveland, and yeah. what you know what he's done in his career. So, um, I, I yep. think again the risk of a prove it deal, right? Yeah, I mean he, he played well. Um, you know, and and like you said, I think he helped helped the young guys in that, but. Um, they're not going to bring him back at what you know what they paid him this year. So the question is, how much? And you're not going to just be able to go out and find another guy like that. It's not going to be easy because you know experienced middle linebackers. You know it, it's a tough position to fill. Um, yeah, it just really is. So, so that that's going to be very interesting to 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 watch to see what they do. I, I would I would agree with you though with um that I would think they would want to bring him back, but, but we're at that same spot of how much value do they put on the linebacking position? That's, you know, they, they did, they did go up and get to JOK. So I guess they, they do see some value there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, here we go. Um, let's go to David and Joku, who is an unrestricted free agent now. Um, and uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> you either love him or you hate him, right? You either love him or you hate him. Um, 
You know, everybody, I think, uh, I think he's a guy, I've seen a lot of people say you have to bring him back. You have to bring him back. He's the best tight end the Browns have. Hmm. Okay. The, the best out, you know, should the Browns definitely bring their best wide receiver back too? Um, you know, um, yeah, just saying, um, David Njoku for me, I like the guy. I mean, he's a physical freak. He makes some, you know, excellent catches. I mean, you know, I'm just going to say this. I don't have anything against any of these guys. I like all these Browns, you know, I, I root for all these guys. Um, and, and this is all just business when I'm talking about stuff like this, but, and Joku has throughout his career made the tough catch and dropped the easy catch. And he still did that this year. Okay. He had stretches where he looked really, really good. And he had stretches where he disappeared. Okay. He had a decent season, what, 400 and some receiving yards, I think. Um, you know, not bad for the amount of receiving yards that the Browns had, but nothing earth shattering at all. It, you know, right, when you look right. at top tight ends in the league, this is not a guy who's going out and taking games over. This is a guy who's going out and getting his two, three, four catches a game. So right. the question, the question is, what's it going to cost to bring him back? And, and again, is that, is that worth that much to the Browns? You know, and I don't I don't care where this guy was drafted. I don't care if he's a fir- first round pick or an or a seventh round pick. He's been in the league. Um, how many years is this? Uh, he's well, he's played. Five. I mean, he was a first round pick, and they played. He played out his contract. Yeah, he played out his contract. So so yeah. So he's been here long enough. His draft status doesn't mean anything anymore. So I don't care about that. The question is, how much is it going to cost to bring him back? And is it worth keeping him for that amount of money? Yeah. And if it's going to cost, you know, 10 or $12 million a season to bring this guy back, I don't think it's worth it. That, <laughs> you know, that's my thought. So um, yeah. um, I just, just because people think he's the best, um, you know, I think the Browns still need to address the tight end position. I think it's going to take a couple of seasons. But, you know, I'm not against bringing him back, but I'm certainly against paying him a ton of money because I don't think he's worth it. That's my thought. I think most people want to retain David Njoku because they feel that he's better than Austin Hooper. And people look at that Austin Hooper signing as a major mistake. And Austin Hooper is being way overpaid. And they say, well, let's just cut Austin Hooper and keep David Njoku because he's a better player, got more upside. It doesn't okay? work that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was going to be my point. We, yeah. We're on the hook for uh, uh, probably close to $15 million to Austin Hooper for at least the next two seasons. Guaranteed money. Okay, so Austin Hooper, unless you know we can find somebody really gullible somewhere, is not going anywhere. <laughs> Um, I, I, so, I think they have an out after the 22 season, potentially, with Hooper. It's um, a huge I, amount of money, though. It. It's still a huge amount of money. It's, 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 it's in the $10 million plus range, okay, that yeah, they would be yeah. swallowing to just, right. to just you know, cut your number one tight end or who was brought in to be your number one tight end, okay? Right. Um, my thing with, with David Njoku is, is you know, his, his measuring stick should not be Austin Hooper, Okay. He's been right. with this organization five years. He's had five years to, to set his market value. And what you're seeing is, is that the Browns have not made an effort to extend him to this point because they don't believe that he's worth what his market value will, will command. And if they did, if they, if they thought that, you know, this, this was a guy who was going to be worth six or $8 million a year, you know, beyond 2021, uh, you would have probably seen them, you know, 18 months ago, trying to extend him at, you know, five to six million dollars a year. OK, because they would have seen the yeah. value in that. The reason you yeah. let a guy play the contract out is because there's there's still some value in you know, getting a guy finishing out his rookie deal versus going to have, you know, having to go out in the, the, the free agent market and replace him um, at this point. 
I feel like for the next two years, we're better served to bring in a young tight end um, and try to grow that guy. And, and, you know, even if that means we're not going to find our feature tight end, so to speak, um, I think we're going to get as much production uh, as we would out of the, 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 the two guys that took most of the snaps this year um, and for a fraction of the cost. So, look, in summary, if, if David Njoku was a candidate to be here beyond this year, he wouldn't be an unrestricted free agent right now. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, it's a, tight end is kind of a hot position, so I, I think you know somebody's going to offer him a deal, and you know, and, and I think the Browns are not going to really have an interest in matching it. So um, I, I think that's pretty realistic. Yeah, I agree. Oh. Um, let's go on to Richard Higgins. Um, you know, honestly, it, it's kind of hard to evaluate Higgins because, um, you know, he didn't get a lot of playing time. Um, Baker really didn't play all that great this season. But even with all that being said, I just I don't think there's a chance that Higgins is coming back. I think there's going to be turnover in this receiving core. Um, I think they're going to Browns are going to try to beef this receiving core up, and I think Higgins is going to be one of the guys who's who's probably not going to be back. Um, you know, they brought him back, what, a uh, couple, couple, couple seasons in a row after he went to free agency. Is that right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't expect it to happen this time. So. Agreed. Okay. It's an area of focus for the front office to rebuild the receiving core. And, you know, the way you get better is by upgrading guys like your number three receiver. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's uh, let's talk about MJ Stewart. He's uh, he's an interesting guy. Um, a cornerback, unrestricted free agent. Um, he's in that he's in that million dollar range. Um, really looked uh, really looked pretty good near the end of the season. You know, taking mm-hmm. you know playing some after being on the uh, practice squad most uh, you know or at least a majority of the season. Um, yep. I think the guy can play you know i'd really like him to you know i'm not gonna say i want him to start all the time or anything but man i i think he should be um i think he should definitely be um, you know given a shot at making the 53 for next season so um yeah it would you know, be good uh you know the only problem i i think is that um mj put enough out on tape those last three games or so you, you think he's gonna get a deal somewhere yeah. I think he's gonna get a deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then he kind of hinted right. at that. Kind of hinted at that. I think this week, you know, saying how he enjoyed his time in Cleveland. Um, I think he's gonna be looking for something, you know, something a little longer term than you know what the Browns are likely to give him. I think the the, the value that he brings is is in his versatility. Um, you know, yeah. he he can he can be your 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 uh, swing guy between. You know, cornerback and safety he played mm-hmm. quite a bit of both for us um, those last few games. And I think he did really well, um, you know, when our safeties were out. Um, so that, that I think that versatility, um, he's still a re- reasonably young guy um, and putting that out there on film. Yeah, I, I just don't think the Browns are going to have a shot at signing him. I feel well, you know, I, I, I'll bet you're right. I'll bet you're right. As much as it hurts, because um, you know, I feel like he's a guy who who didn't get enough of a shot here. But the Browns have been pretty deep at corner, so I, I don't think right. it's that he right. didn't get a shot. Right. It's just that just that he had better guys in front of him. When our secondary is healthy, it's stout, and yeah. I think MJ yeah. got his opportunities because of the extraordinary circumstances of the past two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, some, some injuries along the way, but, and it's always great to have those kinds of guys from a depth standpoint. Um, and, and I would bring him back in a heartbeat, but I just, something tells me he's going to be, he's going to be starting probably someplace else. Well, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think, I think he earned it. So, um, yep. good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, um, Malcolm Smith. You know, here's a guy who 
this this guy, you know, he's an older guy, and he's really played well when when he's been called upon with during yes. his time in Cle- Cleveland. And um, you know, provided a lot of leadership, I'm sure, you know, along with Anthony Walker and that to to the young to the young linebackers. Um, do you do you think his time is up in Cleveland? I kind of do. Um, you know, as a as a vet, um, you know, depth guy, I thought he really filled his role quite nicely. Yeah. But the Browns just have to keep getting better and and younger and faster. Um, and you're gonna just you're gonna see Jacob Phillips um, get those snaps, mm-hmm. provided that he stays healthy. You know, this is me knocking on everything wood I can find. Yeah, no kidding. Um, no kidding. But yeah, if Jacob Phillips stays healthy. Um, it sort of, you know, eliminates the need for a vet like Malcolm Smith. So, um, you know, I, th- I think he's yeah. one of those guys that, you know, the, the last few moves at the end of training camp or, or even, you know, going into training camp, maybe one of the last signings um, that, you know, you might pick up if he's still bouncing around out there mm-hmm. because, you know, his familiarity and so forth. Um but, you know, as far as him, you know, demanding a spot on the roster, probably not as much need for him this year probably, as there has probably been the past last couple. That. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of feel like the Browns, um, you know, it, it, it depends on some of the other guys on the roster. I mean, we, we didn't see Tony Fields at all this season. So, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, right. if he's going to challenge to actually you know, play or make the team as an actual linebacker, you know, right, um, right. next season or not. But, you know, the Browns could be looking to to add another young linebacker. You know, in even, the draft. Even, or know, even in, in the free draft. agency. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. So so we'll see what happens there. But um right. so uh Dustin Colquitt is is also an unrestricted free agent. Um Chances that he is brought in to compete for a spot as the team's punter next season. Nelson Colquitt's 40 years old. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm not a lot older than that. I probably have as much chance of making the roster next year as he does. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I thought, you know, he did a decent job. I mean, he started out a decent job. But you have to understand that, you know, punters are a week-to-week thing. And, yeah. you know, Jamie Gillen just, for whatever reason, got into a funk and they needed to, to change that up. But, um, boy, I certainly hope they can find somebody next year that um, is a more long-term solution. And I'm, I'm sure that's going to be one of the battles of training camp. You know, they're going to bring in as many guys as they can look at and, you know, see how that dust settles, yeah. but I don't think it's Dustin Colquitt's job to win. Yeah, I'm going to set the over-under on punters at training camp at, uh, what, um, 5.5? <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> if it's lower than that, they're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Okay, so um, let's see. Oh, uh, Ronnie Harrison. Um, yeah. it, we, we've talked about Ronnie Harrison and I, th- I think uh, I think I know where you stand on Ronnie Harrison. Um, you know, I mean, he, he's a talented guy. He's a talented yeah. guy. Um, you know, I mean, he's he, he he's got a little bit of the injury bug, um, and he's got a little bit of the bonehead bug in him too. Um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, he's a talented player. So, um, yeah. you you think? I guess uh, I guess. First question is what what kind of deal do you think he demands after his time in Cleveland? Do you think it's a pretty substantial Gosh. deal on open market, or do you or do you think he's still a little bit under the radar? That is so hard to say. I mean, he Ronnie Harrison is a is a conundrum wrapped in an enigma. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I it's, never has there been a guy that you know we needed to prove himself more. Um, you know with the need for that third safety in Joe Woods system. And I, I don't think we had one game this year. It might've been one or two games this year where we had those three safeties available. And right, right. 
you know, it just, it really limits what you can do. You know, when you, when you really kind of plan for a guy like that and, and, you know, based on what, what safeties command in the NFL, you know, veteran established safeties command a ton of money. That's a lot. In the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know, to have him playing the last couple of years under a million bucks, um, you know, certainly we got our money's worth, um, mm-hmm. you know, versus what a JJ three costs or, you know, some of the other premier guys out there. Right. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know about him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about him because like, like you said, there were games where you said, wow, this guy can really play. Yeah. And then the next play is on the sideline for one reason or another, you know? So he just, I mean, he, he just, he does, uh, you know, he just, he does stupid stuff, you know, and during the games, yeah. you know, just the late hits yeah. and just, you know, just, uh, just stupid things. And you, you need guys who have composure on your team. And he seems right. to lose his composure very easily. Um, right. But then he's got the talent factor. So, um, you know, yeah. some guys can get to guys like that, some coaches and that, and, you know, kind of right. reel it in, and some guys can't. So I guess that's part of the decision, and the money's another part of it. Uh, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, it, it would be great if, if you felt like the Browns had another tight end, but, you know, the other guy's Richard, Richard LeCount, who, you know, couldn't even make it to a meeting this season. So, um <laughs> Right. You know, so I mean, he's—I don't even know if he's going to be around next next season. I almost feel like the Browns are going to draft a couple safeties again. You know, um, wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me? Never hurts. Never hurts yeah. to take a yeah. safety and a and a cornerback in the mid mid to late rounds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I would really love to see us have three solid safeties next year and see what our top five defense would be capable of if we could really run those guys out there all year. Yeah. Well, I, I really, I'm with you, Jeff. I don't know what's going to happen with Ronnie Harrison. I, I don't really have a good feel for what kind of deal or, or what kind of demand there's going to be for him, but I have right. a feeling it'll probably be, uh, it'll probably be higher demand and a higher deal than, than what we expect. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know, um, I, I don't know. I almost feel like the Browns are going to, address safety in another way um yeah you know, other than trying to trying to sign him again i think he's another guy in the in the david and joku category where you know if if the browns felt really good about him um going forward he would probably already have gotten an extension i kind of feel like yeah he and he and uh, he and joku are very i mean they're they're similar um hot and cold players they're hot and cold players. Yeah, they are. And both tremendously talented guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the guys who you want to root for, guys who you want to see do really well. Um, you know, guys, I mean, you kind of like having them on your team and stuff, but but you want more out of them. Um, you know, definitely. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, uh, with those two guys, definitely. Definitely, yep. So um, yeah, there's uh, a couple of couple other um, UFAs, uh, but I don't think anybody much to speak of. I mean, Elijah Lee played. Yeah, he had a game or two where he was really good at linebacker, which is kind of surprising for a special teams guy. So we got mm-hmm. Elijah Lee, um, Sheldon Day, who who uh, played you know uh, pretty decent at, at times this year too um, when he was on the active roster and. Um, then uh, Ryan Switzer, who who um, who was injured in uh, training camp, I believe. So those guys were all right. Guys. So um, right. chances of bringing any of those guys back, Jeff? I mean, Sheldon Day's been with the Browns for for several seasons, I think. Um, you know, he might be a guy that uh, you know, if there's not a demand for, they they might want to bring him back just because of the the need at that spot too. Yeah, you know, I just, I just think we're in for another offseason of, you know, 10 D tackles coming into training camp and just, you know, seeing how it all shakes out because there just isn't anybody in the draft 
that's going to come in and, and win a starting job. Yeah. And the two guys that, that we have under contract, I don't think, I mean, Jordan Elliott might be the closest to being ready. Um, but I don't think there's anybody that's going to win that job. So it's going to be a free for all, I, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, with, with the Malik McDowell news today, um, it's just, you know, it's just a big open mess right now. And we'll have to see how the dust settles. Yeah. So the Browns have some other guys who are, uh, who are RFAs and exclusive rights, uh, free agents as well. And Malik McDowell is one of them. So, um, so let's, I mean, I'm just going to let you talk about that, Jeff. Um, it's, I mean, it's an unfortunate news about Malik McDowell, who really had a nice season for the Browns. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's the kind of story you want—a guy who, who got, you know, really a second lease on life in the NFL and the Browns, and comes mm-hmm. out and, I mean, he he played at times like just, uh, you know, just a man possessed, just a monster out there, um, yep. and you know, and I think everybody really just was excited about this guy and how, you know, just kind of looking. You know, if if this is what he can do in his first season, what can he do down the road? Um, right. And then right. this this happens. So why don't, why don't you give give us your thoughts? You know, I mentioned him. I think it was last week. Um, you know, as a guy who I thought really proved himself this season. Um, you know, more so early on in the year. I mean, he was a, a beast in training camp and in preseason. Uh, he I think he wore down a little bit as the season went on, but. And for a guy who hadn't played football in so long, um, you know, he produced um, and it, he looked like a building block um, on that defensive line, which, again, beyond Miles Garrett right now, um, there's not a lot to build with. Um, you know, today just kind of makes me sad uh, what, what happened yesterday, um, you know. This is a, a guy who has um, really struggled to find his place. And for him to come into this organization and and be part of this team, and, you know, there were times where, you know, you could see some of the veteran players kind of taking him under their wing and, and trying to keep him on the right path and so forth. And, you know, you just kind of rooted for him all season long, um, you know, to yeah. maintain that. Um, but ultimately, um, you know, the moment just may have been too big for him. Um, and what transpired in Florida probably is, is just an example of a guy who couldn't do it on his own. For whatever reason. Um, and that makes me sad for him because, you know, not just the fact that, you know, we lose him as a player, but yeah. he's probably blown his only chance. Now, he'll, he'll probably get another chance from somebody just because of the talent. The talent's so big. And and again, you know, he's he's put some film out of, of what he's capable of that that, you know, some team's going to give him a chance at some point. Um, it's not going to be in Cleveland. I think, you know, what what he did basically was um, embarrassed this organization to the point that they have no choice but to walk away from him. Um, and that's that's the saddest part of it, is that, you know, what would the fan reaction be if, you know, Andrew Barry said, oh, yeah, we're going to bring him back. It, it just can't happen. Um, so from a team standpoint, it's a huge loss. From an individual standpoint, it's a huge loss. Um, from the fan standpoint, um, you know, anybody that sees any humor in this is a really sick individual. Um it's, there's just nothing funny going on here. Um, it's about a 25-year-old man who has not figured out his life yet. And you only get so many second chances in life. To the fans who took that one step further and assumed 
that what he did today was because, you know, he has some sort of mental disorder. Okay. Um, that is about the most disrespectful thing you can think about a person and about mental illness. We, we tend to, to jump to that right away. Well, because somebody did something that we don't see as normal, there must be something wrong with them. Okay. It, it tarnishes all the good work that's been done to destigmatize mental illness. Um, and it, it, it almost excuses the behavior to something that, you know, he has no control over. Okay. Now I'm not a psychologist. I'm not able to diagnose the guy. Okay. But I know that he's 25 years old and he's made a lot of bad choices in his life and he probably will continue to make bad choices in his life. Okay. Um, don't automatically assume that he needs help. Probably what he needs is guidance, structure, accountability. All those things need to come first. Let's, let's hold him to that standard first before we assume that he needs help. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Okay, let's, a uh, couple other interesting um, RFAs and exclusive rights free agents. Um, one is uh, one is Dearness Johnson, who's a restricted free agent, who is um, pretty assuredly going to get some looks on the market, and uh, um, should be interesting to see, you know, what happens with him. So. Um, what do you see happening with with the Ernest Johnson? Um, you know, I, I guess we have to look at what kind of tender the Browns put on on these guys and everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to see to see what happens. But uh, um, I mean, the Ernest Johnson's a guy who uh, who there there've got to be some organizations out there that are saying, man, we'd like to have him start for us next season. Um, you know, and they'd be willing to give up, you know, uh, something pretty substantial to get him. So, um, yeah. Do, do you see the Browns putting a putting a high tender on him and and cashing in on a getting a you know a high pick on him, or um, or what do you think happens with Dearness Johnson? He's another guy who's who's earned it. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, coming into this season. He was one of those guys that we were on the fence on. You know, was he going to make the 53? Was he going to be a practice squad guy? You know, because we were, you know, we had we have the two horses, you know, um, and, and how many touches is Dearness Johnson going to get? Well, as it turns out with the Kareem Hunt injury, it was a damn good thing we had Dearness Johnson. You know, I mean, with, with all the games missed by both guys, um, you know, he, he became a workhorse for us. So I almost yeah. wonder if if he at this point hasn't carved out a future for himself in Cleveland um, as a guy that we're looking at two and three years down the road who can be um, the next Kareem Hunt. You know, I, I'm, I'd have to look at what Kareem's um, contract status is. I think he's got another two he's years. He's got another, I think, two years. I yeah. Think. Um, but, you know... I, just I, I like how Dearness Johnson played this year. Um, he's a downhill runner. Um, he he earns everything he gets, um, and he's a humble kid, you know. Um, and, which put, which and, puts him right into that uh, into that room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely he fits so well. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, I. I I'll be disappointed if he doesn't come back next year as a fan. Um, but for Deionis, for Dearness Johnson, if he ends up becoming the one or two someplace else, 
I'll I'll be a huge fan of his. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with you, and I'm I'm going to go back to to the uh, you know the preseason and the roster projections. I'm I'm one of the few people who had him on my 53, <laughs> and I, I'm not going to let people forget that because nobody <laughs> many other people yeah. had him on the 53, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> You're absolutely right. You did. <laughs> um, yeah. So so I had him on the 53, and. Um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be real interesting. I mean, he's another one of those guys in that group that, that we're really going to have to watch to see what happens with him. But like you said, um, it's kind of a win-win because I think you're either going to see him starting for somebody else next season and you're going to be happy for him, or he's going to be back in Cleveland and you're going to say yes. You know, it, it's good that he's here. So um, I, I don't think we can lose either way with, with Dearness Johnson. Um, yeah. Uh, Michael Dunn and, and Blake Hans are both uh, ERFAs. Um, those guys, those guys all, those guys have to be back, right? Both of them. Yeah, I, you know, I think it, a lot about early are able to find a swing tackle, um, you know, slash utility guy uh, in free agency uh, with a little bit more experience. Um, you know, both of those guys are getting up there in age a little bit. Um, so, you know, you have to wonder their ceiling versus, uh, you know, a rookie draft choice uh, from a developmental standpoint and so forth. I don't know. I, I'm, and I'm a huge Blake Hans fan, as you know. Um, I think, yeah. you know, he, he far exceeded expectations the last two seasons. Um, yeah. And Michael Dunn, again, would, would probably be – a starting guard for a lot of teams in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a shit pot of money <laughs> committed to our two guards. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot boils down to, like I said, how that, how that room um, is, is made up. You know, if, if it's made up of, you know, um, somebody in the Chris Hubbard mold, um, you know, and, and one other guy, um, I think Blake Hance has the versatility to be that that guy, um, whereas Michael Dunn is more of a guard, um, mm-hmm. I think. But um, we have a lot of depth, in, you know, in terms of developmental interior linemen. We're really thin at tackle, and that's going to, I think, be the main focus in the off season is is solving that problem, and then then you'll see whatever other guys get plugged into to round out that room, that offensive line room, um, you know, based on who they think the best players are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think it's tough to let either one of those guys go right now, but, but yeah, you got to see who they bring in just because those guys do have, do offer some experience and, uh, and you can put Blake Hans anywhere out there, you know, and he's going right. to do, he's going to do a pretty nice job you know, at, at any of the spots. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it, he and Chris Hubbard are pretty much, you know, I mean, they're very similar in, in that respect. So um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. they just needed two more guys like that this year. We have a, a bunch <laughs> of young guys already on the roster, um, you know, guys that were on um, injured reserve, like Drew Forbes, um, you know, They've signed a couple of guys to futures contracts already. Um, yeah, on the on the line. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see see how that all shakes out. You know, um, you can't bring back everybody. No, and some of those guys have been kind of on the uh, you know on the list of potential for a few seasons now. So so we'll see we'll see if they right. get to yeah. stay on that list or whether around say hey you know what we got this guy in the draft that we really like. You know, we're, we're going to ride with him for a few seasons now. Yeah. Should be interesting. So um, two guys left. Uh, one's uh, Porter Gustin. He played a little bit this season. Um, do you think if, if Clowney's not back, do you think Porter Gustin gets much of a look next season? Or do you think his time of really getting much uh, playing Cleveland is over? Well... Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, he didn't get a lot of playing time this year. No, um, not really. He was on the practice squad a good portion of the season. Yeah, mostly because those those guys stayed reasonably healthy. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Boy, I don't know. He's 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 one of those borderline guys that um, you know. I, I don't know. It's going to depend on who else they're able to plug in. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Probably depends who they're able to sign in that. Um, he's probably a fallback guy who's probably going to be out there. <laughs> you know, no offense to Port Augustine, but, um, well, I mean, he, he's an RFA, so, you know, they can do what they want with him. Um, you know, it's nothing urgent right now. Um, the other guy is, uh, we'll, we'll move on to our last guy here, who's kind of interesting because of David Njoku and his contract status, and that's, that's, um, that's uh, Steve Stephen Carlson, who who didn't play at all this season. He's hurt, but this guy's flashed a little bit as a receiver in the past. Yeah. And you know he's never put up big numbers, but he, he's pretty sure-handed. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on, on Carlson? And you know if, if they if in, if Njoku signs elsewhere. Do you think Carlson could be that third tight end next season? Oh, absolutely. He's done it in the past. I think your tight end room is is going to be Hooper, Bryant, Gustin, and a rookie draft choice. Um, yeah. That's going to probably – what did I say? You said Gustin. You meant Carlson. I'm sorry. We, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we've been gone for a while. Yeah. So yeah, so so those those three guys who have been on the roster and a and a rookie draft choice um, in the probably that one of those either late fourth or fifth round pick. Um, I think mm-hmm. there are some some guys in the draft this year that um, are pretty similar to Stephen Carlson um, in makeup um, that maybe have a little bit more upside. Um, that we will look to develop. So you got to have four viable tight ends on the, on the roster. I think with, with the system that Kevin Stefanski wants to run. Um, I don't think you have to have, you know, two number ones. It's just, you know, doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think we're going to go out and make a big splash anywhere else at the tight end position. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you there. Okay, well, I we've covered everybody of note, so um, there's a few yeah. other people, but um, but yeah, yeah, those are mostly guys. So um, yeah, the we'll roster is going to be a, a moving target for the next six months. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah, yeah. And we'll, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep talking about it. So, <laughs> have any closing thoughts, Jeff? Well, I, I look forward to digesting this a little bit more. Um, as far as the roster goes, I expect a, a probably a more turnover this year than most people think. It might surprise a lot of people how much turnover there's going to be on the roster this year. Um, basically coming into 2021 with such a deep roster. Um, but you have to remember so many guys were on one year deals, um, yeah. that yeah. we have no idea what the roster is going to look like next year. And I think the thing we haven't even factored in yet is the potential for, uh, trades and guys getting cut. And that's going to be real interesting as well. So lots to lots yeah. to deal with, and, um, over the off season. Yeah, we'll we'll touch on all that stuff as we go through the uh, go through the current roster or the twenty one roster. So, excellent. Uh, this yep. has been the Browns Blitz, and we will catch you next time. Yeah.